Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. As we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline, the River Cree Resort and Casino excitement. Bet on it. Open 24-7, 365. We welcome back to the show NHL insider John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home and no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy Heating and Cooling. John, you never lost belief, did you? Uh, I, I don't know whether it was a belief or not, Bob, but I, I would say that I, I, I never doubted that they could get to the playoffs. You know, this, this team, and particularly when you consider uh, the last two years and what their second half of the seasons were like, right? You know, and it, it, it really, this this year, the streak has started early. Usually it was in January. John, they've been a second-half team for the last four years. Like last year, or yeah, in, in exactly. Dave, in Dave Tippett's year, uh, December 31st of 2019, way back when, the Oilers recalled uh, Connor Yamamoto and Caleb Jones and turned their season around. They're a real good team after that. Put Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, and Leon Dreisaitl together. In 2021, they were considerably better in the second half than they were in the first half of the year in the Canadian division. Obviously, Jay coming up, going 26-9-3 in the final 38 games, February 10th on of the 21-22 season. And then last year, they just crushed it. They started the year 21-18-3 through the first 40 uh, two games, and in the final forty games of the year, they got twenty nine wins. Like, they, 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 for whatever reason, they seem to be that team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, and you wonder about the psyche of that, whether it's uh, uh, and at a certain point, I think you could have said it was the youth of the team. But this team now is not a young team anymore. This is a mature team. This is this is a, a, a group of guys that understand what it takes. Uh, have been, you know, the core have been together a long time now, um, and and probably have a much more mature approach to uh, what has gone on, and, and and probably in many senses, even though there people might have seen a sense of panic from them in the first 15 games of the season, I don't think there was a sense of panic with this group. I do think there was frustration, but I don't think there was a sense of panic amongst the players. Liam is Texas on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. And John, he says, I love to see that the boys are rolling. I wonder if you think Knobloch has had a large effect of this or if the same would have happened with Woodcroft had he stayed. Did the Oilers jump the gun with his firing? Liam, we're never going to know because they made the decision and they've gone the route they have. That's an interesting question. You can text us at 780-496-0063. Did the Oilers jump the gun on the firing of Jay Woodcroft? Well, I guess it depends on how you see it, John. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I do think there were signs in the in two of the last three games that Jay coached that certain aspects of the team were coming around, particularly uh, on the power play. Um, but you you have to give credit where credit's due. This team is far better defensively uh, since Knobloch took over. They are far better on the penalty kill since Knobloch took over. And quite frankly, uh, I, I think they're a much calmer team, Bob. Uh, yes. I, I think that there's you can you can see Chris's steady personality. Um, coming through, you know, you watch them on the bench. Um, there, there isn't a, a a sense of emotion. If, for instance, what happened last night early on, and, and as you talked about, 
with Elliott about the start of the game and, yeah, and uh, what Foligno and, and Dickinson yeah. did. Yeah. Right? And, and really, in many ways, the, the Bedard goal was, holy smokes, this guy's real. And I think that that put the Oilers on their heels a little bit and said, we better get our act together. Um, but I, I do think that there's a steadying influence that comes with Chris Knobloch uh, that uh, is, is pretty evident in this club now. All right. Dan from Sangudo has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Bob and John, what have you seen different in the penalty kill from Woody to Knobloch to make such a difference in the stats and the success rate? Your thoughts on this? And the Oilers are 30 of 31 of the PK over the last nine games. That's pretty good. I think we both know the answer. John, go for it. Well, I mean, he's been uh, adamant in keeping his penalty killers together. When you look at uh, Janmark and Connor Brown playing together, uh, the other thing is that he's been very, very uh, diligent in trying to ensure that neither Dreisaitl nor McDavid uh, kill penalties because they have more value for the club at five on five, but but his his diligence and dedication to using the same pair of uh, penalty killing forwards is is worth its weight in gold. And and the other thing, Bob, is if you and and you and I talked about this off air last night, when you watch the team kill penalties. 35 seconds, line change. 35 seconds, line that, change. 35 seconds, line change. Uh. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I was. I, that's right. I mean, and, and so there is a, uh, a real uh, evidence that this team understands that you have to stay fresh, you have to be quick, uh, and everybody's bought into that when it comes to killing penalties. Uh, Justin has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. John, he says, I don't think the Oilers jumped the gun. I think it was a good timing, and it woke the players up. It's like a marriage, says Justin. Your wife can tell you she's leaving you, and you don't change, but when she finally does, you make some changes. Justin, are you speaking from personal experience there? That's what I want to know, first of all. Uh, and has he been talking to my wife? Yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, the irony of that statement right now. That was that's an open-ended comment. Uh, oh yeah, it's, it's here's here, here's the here, here's the thing about about the timing of uh, of all of it. You know, despite all the conspiracy theories, Connor McDavid did not get a did not get a, you know two days warning that this was happening, and did not get warning it was Chris Knobloch. Leon Dreisaitl did not know it was coming. The players were caught off guard with everything that happened after the Seattle game and the Sunday press conference. That's a reality of what was going on. Between Jeff Jackson and Ken Holland, you know, the wheels were put in motion on the Thursday or the Friday before the Sunday announcement, and the players had no, no clue. None whatsoever. Murdoch from the YYC says Paul Coffey has the right tact and messaging for the Oilers' defense. Uh, he has them playing with more poise and confidence, and it's turned around the team in a massive fashion. Manson's messaging style was not productive. Well, it was productive for about 120 games because they had the second-best record yeah. of the league. I, I Look, I think part—so you mentioned the calmness— of, of Chris Knobloch. 
I think the stylistically, the structure and process they're playing with, the zone D with the middle zone breakout, combined with Paul wanting the defense to make plays instead of coming up the wall as much has played a factor. Um, it's helped settle the goaltenders down. I mean, John, I was, as you know, I was not happy with Edmonton's performance through the first period last night. I did not like that game, the way it was going. They made a very, uh, fairly obvious, well, not an obvious, maybe a surprising adjust, adjustment. It wasn't subtle. You flip uh, Dry Settle and McLeod to get the second and third lines going. It was an important one. John, they gave up one scoring chance in the final two periods last night against Chicago. Yeah, yeah, that was that was impressive. Uh, you know, and 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 you know, Elliot talked about it, and I and I I don't think it gets mentioned enough right now. Uh, and it, and it doesn't get mentioned because he's in the top ten of scoring. But Leon's not firing on all cylinders. Yeah, there is something that that ha- that needs to improve. With Leon, you know the you know those those famous Pavel backhands across the you know eighty feet across the ice don't exist right now. You know his drop passes aren't going to the right spot for his wingers. He's got to shoot more. Got to shoot, John. Odd man breaks. He's got to shoot more. Too. Yes, he does have to shoot more. So the, the, when Leon is starting to fire on all cylinders, and both of those lines are going, this could be this could be a, a, a an unbelievable juggernaut for a while. Um, and that's right now. That's exactly what what the Knobloch and the coaching staff are trying to do is find that chemistry. They've they've obviously found chemistry with Hyman, Nugent, Hopkins, and McDavid. They're they're now in the need of trying to find some chemistry for Leon Dreisaitl and his line mates so that they have a one-two punch like they had a lot of the season when they split the centers last season. All right. Uh, did you take a look at these new uh, categories for the NHL All-Star game and the enticement there financially? And yeah, I did. What did you think yeah, of it all? Yeah, I did. Yeah. What did you think? Well, you know what? They, they, they have to, you know, they're, they're, they're really trying to, A, extend the All-Star weekend to three nights, uh, and B, validate the skills competition uh, to making it a little more understandable and more personal. So, um, again, it's going to be, it, it, is it going to be gimmicky? Yeah, it's going to be gimmicky. But, you know, if they can entice the players uh, with a million dollars to the individual, if they can do that, then that's a really good thing. Bob, I have been involved in, dare I say, uh, you know, for the first 20 years of skills competitions, I was think I was involved in 19 of them. And, and what you always had was you had the greatest players not wanting to participate in their greatest skills. Because they, A, they didn't want to embarrass themselves, or B, they didn't want to get hurt. So if there's a way to motivate the players to be in the proper skills competitions, then it could be really good. Like I, you need just to, as a blanket. You need Connor McDavid in the fastest skater competition. Yep, you do. You need him. You you, you need Evan. Now I'm I'm pulling Evan Bouchard's name out of the hat, but Harder I'm going to assume he's there. But you you need Evan Bouchard in the hardest shot competition. And, and and so those things have to happen. You can't have guys to the go of the All Star game, and then on the Saturday of when they decide who gets assigned to the skills, they decide they don't want to do it. We had that happen too many times, Bob. 
I would tell you we had it, it happen for 15 years and then you'd go in the room and you'd sit and talk to the player and you could not convince him to compete. And therefore the whole system and the whole All-Star weekend was just not what it should be. So if they can find a way to do that with a million dollars, then God bless them. Yeah, well, money talks and you know it walks. So you know how that works, that old song. John Shannon, John. I do. Uh, tomorrow, Tampa Bay Lightning. What are you hearing on Victor Hedman? Well, I saw him skating today, and uh, he looked pretty good, and he stayed on the ice a lot at practice. Okay. So um, I would I would not be surprised to see Victor Hedman play tomorrow night. Right. I, re- I really wouldn't. I mean, I, I didn't. We, you know, they weren't. There were availabilities today, but I, uh, you know, this yeah. was kind of a quiet day over there, and 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 so I expect Hedman to play, and I I also think that you know John Cooper knows that this is a really important couple of days, you know Thursday in Edmonton and Saturday in Calgary for this team. Yeah. So I expect it to be particularly after a disappointing loss in Vancouver last night that I expect that it's it'll be all hands on deck. As, as as reasonably possible for Tampa Bay tomorrow night. Should be a beauty. Thanks for your time, John. I'm walking over to your favorite restaurant tonight to sit and have a nice piece of meat and a glass of red wine, Bob. That's Roos Chris. 9990 Jasper, 9990 Jasper Avenue, Roos Chris, the 19th Roos Chris opened up in the city of Edmonton. Yeah. Tell Brendan, Chris, and I saw Brendan today, and I'm I saw Brendan today, and he's going to look after me. I'm I'm glad he's looking after you. Tell him to say hi. Highest price guy we have on the show, Shannon. Thanks for your time. It is uh, 621 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. We'll be back uh, with some thoughts on the Edmonton Elks, and we'll get to uh, the Oilers Now injury report as well. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Jed. Welcome back, everybody. It's 624 at Edmonton. It is time for the Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, they're going to be pumped that the Oilers have won eight straight games. Big supporters of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, and the Alberta Golden Bears. James H. Brown, 250-plus years of experience. It's as simple. They get you the best results. Well, speaking of the Edmonton Elks, we do have Dave Campbell uh, helping uh, do the show today. He's a color analyst on Elks Broadcast. Um... And uh, it's been a little bit quiet, to say yeah. the least. When does it, when does everything gear up on the free agency front, the CFL draft, and all that kind of stuff? I think things will gear up uh, when the calendar turns to 2024. I mean, what you're seeing around the league is you've seen some players sign extensions that are pending free agents, and what teams are doing is if they have available cap money for 23, um, they use that money to sign the player to the extension. Uh, the Elks have signed three players, uh, a couple very key to their special teams. Uh, Tanner Green, their fullback, longest-serving member of the team, uh, and also from, uh, oh boy, uh, he's from... Which Lacombe. He's from Lacombe. That's where he's from. That's right. Okay. I was going to say Innisfail, but then if Tanner heard this, he'd be mad at me. Uh, he's from Lacombe, Alberta. Uh, very good fullback on their offense, too, but one of their better special teams player. Uh, Josiah Shackle, as well, a former U of A Golden Bears linebacker. Saw him play lots. And one heck of a you know, leader, as well, for a young guy. Uh, and then they signed Sam Achenpong, their, uh, uh, one of their Canadian defensive linemen that they traded for. One 
won a great cup with the Argos in 22. So, you know, the draft you, you talked about, they're picking first overall, which in a CFL draft, you're like, what does that mean? We don't really know. Um, and it's so hard to forecast what that pick is going to look like. That's not going to come to fruition until right before the draft because you got scouting bureau rankings coming out, uh, you know, in the spring. Sometimes those aren't really believable because, let's face it, it's basically a, a game of seclusion to make sure that you don't really share how you really feel yeah. so other teams you yeah. know, kind of know how you feel. And then, of course, there's the NFL draft. I mean, Curtis Rourke out of Ohio, who's entered the transfer portal, and I believe Wake Forest is in on him. Um, you know, he's, he's not eligible to be drafted yeah, in the he, CFL draft. He's the number one overall uh, ranked player right now after the winter rankings were released in October. But he's probably a day two draft potential, has day two draft potential in the NFL. Uh, so as far as the NFL draft is concerned. So, uh, but hey, you know, what will Chris Jones do with that number one pick? I think the biggest thing right is now... Is Nathan York still with Jacksonville? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, and I believe he was signed to their active roster for last weekend's game. Okay. Uh, because C.J. Beathard was, was hurt, not necessarily... Uh, or not uh, Trevor Lawrence. It was All Beathard right. that was hurt. Um, the biggest thing right now for the Elks, two things. One is, and not, not in any particular order, they're free of the ops cap right now. So Brock Sunderland is off. Um... Uh, Jamie Elizondo is off. I think Jason Moss, there might be like 50000 left from his because okay. you can spread one contract over five years. So they're going to be relatively free of that. So they got some money to spend in football ops. And secondly, the ownership committee search or, or yes. search to which com- which type of structure is, is uh, the right one, community or private. It's private. Um, and I would suspect, you know, it could be by the 24th season. I said... By for sure the 25 season, yes. we're going to see private owners here. All right. There you have it. That's Dave Campbell, longtime uh, radio analyst of the Evans Elks broadcast. Works with Morley Scott on uh, Evans Elks football on 630 Chad, the play-by-play voice of both the Evans Oilers and the Edmonton Elks. 628 in Edmonton. And we got James Dunn with a global news weather traffic update still to come on the show. At uh, 6.35, Rob Brown. And at 6.47, Reed Wilkins. This is Oilers Now.